ready to get into the word of the Lord tonight. We just appreciate the faithfulness of the Lord and appreciate His word as we've said. And uh, we thank God for you being here tonight in His house. Amen. Matthew chapter 11, if you will turn with me. This has been our central text that we have been reading from here out of this sermon series on Take My Yoke Upon You. And uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 is where we are going to be reading from tonight. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And I encourage you to keep your Bible there open. We're going to be turning to a couple of other places tonight here as we go through uh, some of these other uh, points uh, here in this and uh, taking a look at what the Word of God says. If you're there with me, won't you say amen? The Bible says, Christ speaking, as we have referenced, this is the invitation that's been given. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll stop there again and just say that uh, whether you would admit it or not, every one of us can identify with that terminology. Labor, heavy laden, burden, these things. And he says, he goes on to say, come unto me, I will give you rest. Here he talks about the trade that he wants to make with you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Amen. That's where we were looking at last week. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Somebody just yesterday having a conversation and they were talking about a series of events that were going on and Brother Torbert, this was the term that they used. They said it just feels heavy. It feels heavy. Can you identify with that when there's just heaviness that sets, right? Heaviness from the load, heaviness from the worry, heaviness from circumstance, heaviness. I mean, we could just, we could put all kinds of descriptives in there, but you get what I'm saying tonight. And the Lord says, he says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. This is what we're going to look at tonight. And he says, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find rest for your souls Amen. Can we pray together one more time this evening? Father, we thank you again for your word. I thank you, Lord, tonight for each and every heart and life represented. And I pray, let your word settle and, and be received. Let it be heard and received into our hearts and our souls, Lord. I pray tonight your word provides strength. Your word provide clarity and direction. Your word give hope and healing and strength. We thank you tonight, Lord, for all that you will do. And we believe you to meet with us here that we can leave different. I pray anoint my mind and lips to preach as we bring you glory and honor. And I ask tonight, Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, we want to hear you. We want to see you. 
And Father, we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. Last week, if I can just highlight a couple of things, we had talked about uh, what it was here where Christ had said to learn of me. We were talking about what happens when a yoke was fashioned by that farmer that was going to be placed upon his team of oxen. In this, we just discussed the fact that that yoke was customized. It was customized to the dimension, the circumference of the neck of that oxen, for the girth of its shoulders, and, and uh, for it to fit appropriately across that team. That oxen would be measured and, and it was not just something to where it was uh, mass production and uh, have, you ever, uh, uh, have you ever bought something that said one size fits all and you go to put it in and then you're either swallowed by it or, or it doesn't fit whatsoever. Have you noticed now the terminology? Matter of fact, I, I had bought a, a hat the other day and Brother Ben on that hat, on the tag it said it said this it said one size fits most amen now they've changed it it's not all I think they learned sister Shannon that they just can't say it's for everybody but you know uh, it'll cover most of y'all amen and uh, in this we were talking about the fact that uh, God does not just work in generalities but is very specific uh, in regards to every aspect of our life, every season of where we are, where we're growing, and where we are going, amen, what it is that is before us, the work ahead of us, the fields ahead of us that are uh, that we are laboring in, and we labor in said fields for a harvest. I want to remind you tonight that in all things, you see, uh, I understand that some of you, you're going in and you punch the time clock, and you say, well, I'm working for the paycheck at the end of the week because I like to be able to have a roof over my head and food in my belly and lights when I flip the switch and a Christmas gift or two for my loved ones that's under the tree, whatever the case might be, but can I say that life is much more than just going and reporting for duty just so you can say that you got a paycheck, amen, or to say that you did this or because you say, well, I have a a title, I have a position, I have this, I have that. Let me just say this, is that when it comes to uh, where God has placed us and what he's doing in us and through us in our lives, it is for the fact, I, I don't want you to miss this, I want you to understand that this is uh, the first priority, everything else falls underneath because the word of God reminds us, Brother Thacker, that, uh, that we are to what seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then it 
it said, all these other things shall be added unto you. And so what is this? What is kingdom agenda? What is of great importance above everything else? It is the fact that we take this hope, this eternal life, the power of God, the love of God that's been at work in our lives, and we are called to make an eternal difference in the lives of those that we are around, that God has placed us with. Friends, can I say and remind you tonight, there's so much more to life than just trying to earn a living. Just to collect something else, just to go somewhere else, just to add something else to the house, or build on somewhere, or buy another something, or, or, or do all the things that the world says is important. Oh, but can I say that when we look in the parameters of our life, that God has placed us and is moving upon us and wanting to move through us, amen, so that eternal difference is made. Christ came with the mission to seek and save that which was lost. His mandate was the harvest and those of us as well. When Christ had left, he said, go and preach this gospel in all of the world. Go. Can I? Well, Brother Jacob, that's not me. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an orator. I'm not a teacher. I'm not. I'm a low. I, I just do this or whatever the case might be. I want to tell you. I, you've heard me say this before. And I believe it has such significance and power. This simple statement. But Brother Mike, someone once coined the phrase, said, preach the gospel. And use words if necessary. Amen. We live it out. We, we act it out. It's who we are. The will of God is not just what we do, but it is who we are in Him. And so I want to remind us of that tonight in the fact that all of these things of where we are, where God is bringing us to, what it is that he's doing in us, it is for harvest. But we have to be directed in the field. We have to serve appropriately. We have to be sure that our hearts and minds are in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have found and we look around the harvest is hindered. Lives are hindered. Our own lives get in shambles when we are out trying to run and do it our way. When we're trying to plow the fields the way that we want to. When we will not submit ourselves under the hand of God. When we try to live our lives outside of the parameters of the will of God. Can I remind somebody tonight? I know in this day and time when we talk about things such as boundaries, we talk about parameters we talk about guidelines or you could use guideposts landmarks the word of God is full of analogies and symbolisms of what this is like uh, the word of God says there's a broad way and there's also a narrow way amen in regards to this can I say the world would say I want no rules I don't want any limits I don't want anybody telling me I'm my own man I'm my own woman and we see 
see the demise and the destruction of humanity. We see where we have made a mess. We have run amok the things that God had intended for right and righteousness that were intended to be a blessing. Man and sin has polluted it. God in the garden established that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What was it Brother Torbert? It was a signpost. It was to say you see God told Adam he said I want you to till. I want you to work the garden. I want you he would bring the animals to him to name them. He said you've got dominion over it all. But Sister Laura God put that tree in the middle of the garden. The Bible said and God told Adam said you can take and eat of anything you want to. But that tree right there you don't touch it. You don't eat of it. You leave it alone. Some would say well why then would God put it there? It was because God was establishing the fact that yes I'll give you free will but in the same token you're going to know that I have set parameter. I have set boundary. It established his authority. It established his sovereignty and it was a guideline and a guidepost. But when we step outside when we try to maneuver around, when we try to plow and maneuver in fields, the word of God uses a term that when we move the landmark when we don't abide by the landmark, we go into the fields of the fatherless I want to remind you tonight, God has set some parameters God has set some boundary it is still the B-I-B-L-E yes that's the book for me, I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E to some it's old fashioned, to some it's a fable, but brother John to me it's life, to me it keeps me right, to me it keeps me in subjection and it allows me to do what God has called and purposed for us to do oh without hindering what God would want man in his own self will always hinder and destroy the things that God had intended for right we look around and there's many lives in shambles there's many people that are hurting because people have run amok and would not yield themselves into subjection of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, we come to find that not only are their lives a mess, but we've got children suffering things that kids shouldn't have to suffer with. We've got folks dealing with things. We've got marriages in upheaval. We've got a government that's in upheaval. We've got an educational system that's in upheaval. I mean, you go all the way around and sin has touched everything. And we need one more time to refocus and regroup. And we need some people of God that would say, Lord, here I am. And here you are. You have provided this yoke. It is something that you've customized for me. It is something that, you, that you've made for me so that I can walk in step with you. We had talked last week over the fact that that yoke was not only customized, amen, for that particular oxen. 
that particular team of oxen. But we come to find that it had, it was for the purpose, amen, to act as a simple weight and a counterweight for the oxen to be able to accomplish the work that was needed, to plow through fields that were difficult, to move objects that naturally maybe that oxen could do on their own, but under the weight of the yoke, under the guidance of the yoke, we find that that yoke would actually spare. It would spare the oxen from from unneeded harm, from ways that that oxen would hurt itself or risk permanent injury, that the oxen, it would be able to walk under that yoke and be able to effectively accomplish the work that's set before it. Let me say is that we as God's people, therefore as God's people, we are the church. And so we talk about the church and the church age in which we're in. We're in we're, we've got a lot of serious problems and there's calamity by way of the church. Amen. There's calamity and there's compromise and pulpits and, and there's... A, There is a message that is out there as to where there's no longer surrender to the things of God. But rather it is a self, a message of self. It's a proclamation of of who we are and what we're going to do. And and if we think that Christ just came along to bless us and prosper us. and Well, I'm walking in liberty and I can do whatever the case might be. What did Paul say? Paul said, do we continue in sin just because grace abides or abounds he said God forbid it oh but we walk in the newness of life oh brother Marvin there's no more condemnation but we do rely upon the grace of God but we don't abuse it oh and here we find in the time in which we live there's no longer a preaching of surrender no longer a preaching of yielding to the things of God but even the believer is preached and promoted to turn loose and and be what it is you're going to be looking for the betterment of the flesh oh but can I remind you tonight is that we in this the church has imposed harm we as people have imposed harm we have we have messed some things up and if there's ever something we need to do if we can go back to the basics if we can go back to uh, what did the what did the word of God say in Revelation when the Lord spoke to the church at Ephesus uh, he had said I have I have somewhat against thee he said that you have left it may have been Laodicea forgive me but he said you have left your first love he said go back and do your first works over again can I say tonight church before there is is a breaking forth of revival there's going to have to be a going back to the place of surrender to the place of, of to say God I need you and your lordship your authority in my life we're all the time preaching about advancing and moving forward and doing this and doing that and can I say there's nothing wrong with wanting to do those things But can I say is that we have to do them correctly. We have to do them in the confines of the will of God. 
I've seen folks that sometimes their motives are right, but their methods are wrong. I've seen sometimes as to where there was no constraints whatsoever. We live in a time, as I mentioned, where nobody wants discipline. Nobody wants accountability. Nobody wants to be told what to do. And as a result, we as people have become majorly, and I, I say this with, with, with love and, and, and I, I care about you, but all of us, I put myself in this same category, but we get to the point that when there is discipline, correction, or when subjection is needed, we kick and fight against it, and we carry on, and we act like spoiled brats. And we get upset and we're saying, well, it's not, this isn't how I envision, this isn't what it is. And we've taken things of God, we've taken our lives, we've taken ministry, we've taken, uh, and we have, we have reduced our effectiveness. We've reduced our effectiveness. Christ had said, learn of me. This was, uh, this was a terminology that those that were in farming, they understood because what you would do is you would take that experienced oxen. That experienced oxen who knew the way, the pull, the tug of that farmer. And that younger oxen would come in. And it would be paired up with that oxen. And it would help that other to learn as to what needed to be done. To submit itself. To walk in step. To do what needed to be done. And in a sense, if you will, to be harnessed. To be bridled. Amen. In this, can I say, and I made this statement last week. And the fact this is not, uh, uh, this is not to diminish. This is not to disrespect Christ. Uh, but I want you to understand that within this analogy, Christ is that one. He is the one who has brought himself under subjection. He brought himself under subjection to the will of the Father. From the manger until being resurrected from the tomb, we come to find a life of subjection. He told his disciples, he said, my meat, my purpose, my mission, what I live for. He said, it is to do the will of the Father. He said, I've come for nothing else. The devil tried to offer him fame and notoriety. What did the Bible say in the wilderness of temptation? He took him to the high pinnacle and he said, oh, if you'll go up here and make a show, cast yourself down. The angels will bear you up. Boy, that'll be a spectacle. That'll be a show. Surely they'll believe who you are then. He took him up into the exceedingly high mountain and it showed him all the kingdoms of the world world, all of the things that were laid out, the riches, the honor, the power, the glory, all of those things. And Christ, he rebuked that devil and he would use the word of God. But Christ did so by way of the power of the Holy Ghost, but also Sister Torbert because he was on assignment. He wasn't here for fame and notoriety. He wasn't here to make a name for himself. He was not here as a matter of fact there were many miracles that he would perform and sister Wanda he would tell the recipient he would say don't tell anybody don't go and report it why because brother Torbert he was trying to keep from the fame that would come and surround him understand he did not want
constant distraction from the mandate and the mission. Can I say tonight, we will not overcome the work, the temptation, and the distraction of the enemy until we zero in and hone in. This is not about us. This is not about the name of a church. This is not about a personality in the pulpit. This is about Christ and Christ alone. This is what we're here for. This is what we have been called to do and called to be. And it rubs against our carnality the wrong way, I promise you. Fights against us. We, we find Christ. He says, learn of me. Watch what I have done. Look at my example. We use the term, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. They called him Rabboni, master teacher. Teach me, Lord. What do I need to know from you? What is it that I, you see that the thing that the problem is today is that we in the church, now more so it's not that we want to learn of God, we just want something from God. I'll say that again. We don't want to learn of Him, we just want something from Him. We want something from His hand. God, I've got a prayer request. God, I've got this need. I'm not diminishing your need. I'm not diminishing your prayer request. I understand they're urgent. I understand they are, they are, uh, there are things that are upon your heart. There's nothing wrong with praying that. But can I say, how long has it been? How long has it been? Did you know that, it, that as a minister, now, Brother Torbert and, and, uh, and some of these others, they probably don't have this problem. This is probably just a Jacob Smith problem. But there are times when I get into the Word of God that what I'm, what I'm wanting to do, what I set myself to do, is I say, Sister Kimberly, I am not reading the Word because I'm hunting after a message. Come on here. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not opening the Bible just so I can find something. Oh, let me just get this. Let me get this, boy, because I, I need something to preach. But, Sister Laura, if I can approach the Word of God to say, God, can you speak to me? Can I learn something of you? Lord, is there something that I can receive of your Word? Would you give me instruction? Would you help me? And can I say that whether it's in His Word, there are times where we are reading His Word for just a quip, just something cute we can put on Facebook. Something we can tweet about. Something we can put on Insta. Something we say, well, look. At, or we can mark off, say, I did my reading for the day. Our prayer life reduced down to a bunch of requests and telling God what we need. How long has it been that we've been still before God? How long has it been that you didn't even have to open your mouth and say anything, but you sat in the presence of God? and say God give me ears to hear what the spirit has to say because I must learn of you I've got to learn of you we have to be in a place and understand there will never be growth in our life there will never be a harvest there will never be the impact that God desires for the church his bride there will never be that impact unless we are people that can learn of him that we can learn. We have a lot of distractions. We have a lot of things going on around us. And some folks, we don't, we, we, we don't like the silence. We don't like, we think that there's got to be noise and busyness. And 
loudness and all these things. But I just wonder how long has it been that you've been in God's word and say, teach me something. Let me learn of you. In prayer, Lord, just let me get everything else quiet. And I want to hear your voice. You'd be amazed at the direction he'll give. You'll be amazed at what he'll begin to open up. You'll be amazed at what he puts his finger on in our lives. When we will have a teachable spirit. I know a lot of people that's got a lot of talent. They can sing, they can play, they can preach, they can decorate, they can design, they can build, they can grow this. It seems like there's some folks, just everything they touch, I mean, they got the Midas touch. It just turns to gold. They can, just, they can turn anything into an overnight success, whatever the case might be. And I've seen a lot of people who have those capabilities, but where they failed is they were never teachable. Lord, help me to be teachable. In step, Christ a representation of that, that oxen that had brought himself under subjection. The word of God tells us that as a result of this, it helps us. to That, that new and untrained oxen represents you and I. Without someone to demonstrate the right way. When we are left to ourselves, we will behave in error and we will walk amiss. Can I say tonight that if there's areas in your life you are seeking direction, there are some under the sound of my voice, there might be some significant choices you're making here tonight, here in this last week, in the last month, or in the month to come, and there are some significant moves that you are making. Be sure you are taking the time to have heard from heaven. Be sure you're walking in step with what Christ wants. And that's when we yield ourselves to Him and His will. Understand tonight. Understand, He says, learn of me. As we have, we have referenced here. And He says this. He says, for I am meek and lowly. You see, you cannot learn when there is a heart and a mind of arrogance. You cannot learn when there's a heart and a mind that has an attitude that says, I know it all. You can't do it. Well, I've been around, Brother Jake, a whole lot longer than you. I know more than you. You're just a young whippersnapper. You're green. You're wet behind the ear. We hear all those kinds of things. And you're right, I am. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is that I'm not saying that you're learning of me. What I'm saying, though, is, is that if there is arrogance if there is an unwillingness, amen, to yield ourselves and to conduct ourselves to behave in such a way. Christ said this. Now, here's what I want you to understand. As our example, Christ showed us. Listen, he is God the Son, right? With God the Father in creation. The only begotten of the Father. All power. He had, he had, the word of God says, the Holy Ghost without measure. The power to do anything that he wanted to do. And I want you to notice the word that he uses here. He says, I am meek. I'm meek and I'm lowly. The definition of meek, I think one of its best representations of meekness has been explained to me this way. Having the power to do more, yet showing restraint and control not to. 
having the power to do more, having the authority, the ability, the, I mean, however you want to categorize it, and yet having self-control and restraint to prohibit yourself from doing so. Can you imagine what it would have been like? I can tell you what Jacob Smith would have done if I was the one on that cross. And the Bible says, first of all, I probably, if I would have had the power, Sister T, I probably would have done called all the angels long before I got to the cross because of what they were doing to him. If that was being done to me. I mean, blindfolding and smacking him and hitting him. Saying, come on, prophesy. Who hit you? Come on and tell us. You say you're the son of God. His, I mean, his face covered in their saliva. The beard ripped from his face. The thorns pressed down in his skull. There he was hanging on the cross. The Bible says they would go by and they would rail upon him. That means they'd ridicule him, make fun of him. They would wag their heads and shake their heads at him. Brother Ben, they'd say, oh, come on. If you're really the son of God, you'll come on down from the cross. I'll tell you, if it was Jacob Smith, I would have been ready to prove a point. I would have said, ain't no more of this. I'm going to show you what power is. I'm going to show you what penalty is. I'll show you what punishment is. And I'd want to teach every one of them a lesson, Brother Morgan. I'd want to show them who was bossed. Oh, but the Lamb of God didn't. He was lowly and he was meek. Had all the power to do so. But yet he showed restraint yet he surrendered why sister Laura because he learned to be under the yoke of the father and he knew if there was going to be a harvest he knew if there was going to be a day that I'd be saved and brother Eli that you'd be born again and brother Mike that you'd be born again he would have to come under the subjection of the yoke of the father and say nevertheless not my will but let thine be done. God, teach us. Help us to learn of you and to learn with an attitude to be teachable, to be yielded, to be surrendered. The Word of God reminds us in this. You see, in this we find that <clears throat> We find that in this, he revealed what our attitude should be as we are in this learning process. Can I ask you tonight, only you and you alone know some of the things that God is teaching you right now. And how many of you know that sometimes those lessons are hard? Sometimes those lessons are uncomfortable. Sometimes it's a difficult process. What we find in this is that there has to be an attitude, a heart that is correct before him. Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says this, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Listen to this. Let this mind be in you, which was also... In Christ Jesus. How was it in how did he live this out? How did he act this out? It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man. Here's another one. He humbled himself. 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Word of God reminds us through the life of Saul, we find where the prophet Samuel reminded him, listen, God removed himself from Saul after Saul disobeyed him. And Samuel had asked him, he said, what have you done? He did not kill everything of the Amalekites. Samuel said, I hear the bleeding of sheep. What have you done? He said, well, I brought them. I brought those to, to offer sacrifice to God. But God had asked and had spoken by way of the prophet said, all these things need to be destroyed. And we find that prophet told that king, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. There's a lot of things for all of us that we are willing to to quote-unquote sacrifice. There are things we're willing to put out there and say, look what I'm doing, look what I've sacrificed, look at who I am, look at what I've given up, or look at what I'm taking on, and it's such a sacrifice, or surely the Lord would be pleased with this. But in the end, Sister Laura, what he's after, he says, look, I don't need sacrifice. He said, what I need is obedience. Obedience. When we look at this, we find that Christ laid out before us this example of servanthood. In John 13, 2 through 5, and supper being ended. And I, I think this is so poignant to catch. The devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Supper's over. The devil's already been at work. Judas is a man. Christ even recognized him. He said, there's very one who puts his hand in, in here and is supping with me, dipping the bread in this sop. In this sop. He said, is going to betray me. It's already been done. Christ knows who it is. You remember what John did, Brother Danny? John leaned on his, on his chest and he leaned over. And if you remember, he asked him, he said, Lord, who, who is that? Who would it be? They went around the table. Is it I? Is it I? All of these things were already in motion. And here's what's interesting, Brother Benjamin. Again. Meekness and lowliness, not pride and arrogance, not I'm better than and you're less than, not I'm so right and you're so wrong, but Christ, with all of this, if you look at what I'm getting ready to read, it says that he put his garment aside and he took upon a towel and he began to wash the feet of those disciples with that towel. He began to serve. What was this? This was an act of obedience. It was lowliness. It was meekness. Peter, matter of fact, threw a fit. He said, you're not washing my feet. He said, and the Lord corrected him. He said, this has to be done. He said, this has to be done. It's got to take place. It's got to take place. Friends, I want to remind you tonight that when we talk about surrender, Surrendering to the will of the Father. And I'm closing with this. Brother Danny, if you'd come. When we talk about surrender, friends, I want to challenge you tonight. The Word of God says this, that we must humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We must humble ourselves. We must yield ourselves. We must take up on this attitude. The word of God tells us that with this, that there is 
an exalting that happens, but it happens from the Lord. But this exaltation is not one of just preeminence and power. But it's getting us into proper place so that we can effectively do and be what God would call us to do and be. Isn't it funny how we get this thing out of kelter a lot of times? How we're trying to accomplish things. How we're trying to be something. How we're trying to do something. How we say that we serve God and how we say that we live for Him. But yet there's times that in our arrogance and in our self-righteousness, we get impatient with people. We get disappointed. Somebody not doing what we think they ought to do right or whatever the case might be. And we're ready to write people off. We're ready to dismiss them. I just want to say this right here. And I'm saying this because of the, the text and what I read in, in, in lowliness and meekness. As a matter of fact, the word of God even says this. said, if you see a brother that has fallen, in the spirit of meekness, you restore that one. You don't. God didn't, didn't call us to be judge, jury, and executioner. Some of us, we're quick to, quick to slam the gavel on somebody and say, uh-uh, you can't. There's no way. I'm just going to tell you right now tonight, I am so thankful. I am so thankful, first of all, for a heavenly father who's patient with me. And I'm also thankful for people who came alongside me. I'm thankful for people, Sister Laura, who walked alongside me and helped show me some things. And they did so with a spirit not to, not to break me off and snap me when I was weakness. Isn't that what the Word of God says about the character of Christ? What did it say? It said, a bruised reed he shall not break. And a smoldering wick he would not extinguish. He wouldn't put out. You see, we, we're, we're so prone to... We gravitate to our cliques and we gravitate, gravitate to those who are most like us, who we resonate with, who we have certain things in common with, that we feel are up to the level that we're at. But be, we've got to be mindful of some things. Let me just, let me just remind you, you, you didn't get where you were on your own or overnight. And also be careful about where you think you are. Because the Bible calls that, if we're not careful, a haughty spirit. And it's pride. Do you know, I've seen some people who claim to be awful holy, but they were prideful. Proud of who they were. Proud of what they did or what they didn't do. Proud of where they went or where they didn't go. Proud of the church that they attended. Proud of whatever the case might be. And boy, the fall is long and hard. And it hurts. I want to remind you tonight, I know it seems maybe over the last several weeks we've been pointing back to this truth, but I just want to remind you, Christ is the standard, nothing else. Christ is the standard. Christ is the standard. That's why he said, learn of me. Learn of me. Come along. Come along. Walk with me. Let me show you some things. Be, be teachable. Be tender. Sister June, I said it earlier tonight, he's careful with me. Lord, help me to be careful with people. Help me to be meek. Help me to be humble. Well, Brother Jacob, 
There's nobody in this building that's just rude and mean and ugly to people. And I'm not pointing the finger or saying that at all. But here's what I'm saying, though, is, is that this is, what, this is what real surrender looks like. Christ gave us that example, surrendering himself, yielding himself, and did so with that spirit, that attitude to say, I, oh, I could do more. I could show you more. I've got the power to do so, but I've got the self-control and the restraint by way of the Holy Ghost. Did you know that's a fruit of the Spirit? Temperance. Self-control. I know all of us here could say that if we practiced that more often, boy, it sure would have spared us some heartache along the way. I sure would have stayed out of some trouble. I sure would have avoided some conflicts. I sure, would have, I sure would have made more friends and some enemies sometimes if I would have utilized those things. To the world, this message would be dismissed because everybody wants strength and power and prestige and all those things. But Christ said, this is how it's got to be done. He said, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be meek. I'm going to be long-suffering with you. And I expect you to do that with others as well. To do that with others as well. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your compassion. Lord, I thank you. You've set before us that example of what it is to learn of you. And Lord, tonight, the, to be meek, to be lowly. This is what your word says, that you are meek and lowly. This is why we can learn from you and of you, Lord. There's much, there's so much that in our lives, in our humanity, in our, in our striving to do it the way we think it should be done and, and for it to be right by us and, Lord, for it, to, for it to get our approval. There's so many things that we're, that we're looking at and navigating through. But, Lord, tonight I pray, help us, remind us let us look once again. You are the standard. You are the standard. You are the one we walk beside. You're the one we learn of. You're the one that has shown us the heart and attitude by which we are to learn. And how there is promotion that comes from the Lord. How there is excellence in the spirit of one who can yield themselves to you. Lord, how much more can be accomplished effectively, eternally, when we yield ourselves in such a way. Tonight, I know, I know I can see in the crowd. I know you're tired in body. I know you're tired in mind. And tonight, I just want to challenge you because... There maybe there are some situations right now where maybe you're dealing, it can be with disappointments, decisions. Maybe there's some things that you're navigating. Maybe there's some areas that you're wrestling with. Maybe there's some areas where the Holy Ghost would be pointing and putting his finger on some things in your life and say, now, how is your approach here? How is your attitude in your heart here? What is it that's... What's your motive here? You see, the Lord will always check you in those things if you will allow Him to do so. Lord, let me walk in step with you.
But maybe you find yourself in these places. You say, Lord, help me to learn of you. Lord, help me to take on that attitude. Help me, Lord, to learn meekness. Help me, Lord, to humble myself. Lord, so that I might walk agreeably with the Spirit of God. If that's our desire tonight, before we leave this house, can we just come gather around these altars, find ourselves a place to pray. Would you tonight allow God to challenge your heart? Would you allow Him tonight to speak to you in such a way to say, Lord, would you help me? Would you check me? Would you deal with me, Lord? Oh, there's times I can be obstinate. There's times I can be hard-headed. There's times, Lord, that I have my agenda. I have my desire, my will. There's times, Lord, that I'm after uh, certain things to be accomplished. But, Lord, help me. Help me to learn of you. Help me to learn of you, Lord. Lord, not only to learn, but let my attitude and my heart be agreeable. Oh, let it be agreeable with the Spirit of God. Lord, me and lowly, humbling myself under the hand of God. Oh, Lord, yielding myself. Lord, this is not about my, this is not about my reputation, but Lord, this is that you are glorified. This is that I might walk in step with you. Oh.